There's no place we'd rather be this morning, right? Right here, the strong love of our God and our Savior. Stronger than our circumstances, stronger than our disappointments, stronger than our lack. Ah. Thank you, God, that you have pursued us. You've chosen us. And we joyfully and gleefully respond to that love. We thank you, God, for the hope that you shower us with and the joy. Ah, we're so grateful for all your gifts. Give them to us. (laughs) Give them to us. We need them. We need them. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for songwriters that can put into words what I don't think I can (laughs) sometimes, but I really enjoy what the songwriters bring to us. So we're moving into a ministry time, and if the Holy Spirit has given you a word for the body, now's the time to come and give it, come and share it. Come on. Ooh, a visual aid. (laughs) I didn't get that word. Maybe it's coming. (laughs) Ooh. Well, how many of you heard the shepherd's crook slam to the ground? Yes. You know, when we were setting up this morning, Tammy said, oh, you know, I'll take that. And she put it over there against the wall, and I thought, great, you know? And as I was coming back under obedience to you calling us to our seats, the Lord said, grab the shepherd's crook I wanted up front. And I thought, well, it doesn't look real cute up there, God, but okay, you're in charge. So I leaned it up against the wall. And then I stepped away into my own flesh and went, huh, yeah, looks okay, and walked away. I had no idea he did that because he has a word for us through all of it. When the shepherd's crook, by the vibration, hit the floor, and everybody kind of looked at it, on the wall we were singing, do you feel the darkness tremble when all the saints join in one song and all the streams flow as in one river to wash away our brokenness? Now we talk about we change the atmosphere when we walk into a room. Whether it's aisle three at Fred Meyers, it's here at church, a shepherd's crook hits the ground, or your feet hit the ground. Your smile, the fragrance you carry, the look in your eye, we do not look like the world. Look at a drug addict and look in a mirror. Do you look the same? No because we've been set free. So the shepherd's crook was all for you and for me to get the impact of what we do in an invisible way that changes the atmosphere. Second thing I wanted to share, a couple, three weeks ago, um, on our, um, our kind of our prayer line, the, the gals that we do back and forth, I think it was Naira, but somebody put a thing out that said, 
I'm just praying financial release for all of us in the tribe. And in my understanding, I went, hmm, well, I'm on a fixed income. My husband's disabled, he's on a fixed income. No relatives left to die or leave me any money, so, but I'm still gonna pray it. Okay, God, let's, let's see, you know. Well, little did I know, a week later, I was gonna get a phone call from a friend down in Shelton that graciously allowed me to borrow $3,000 some months prior when I really needed it. And I'd paid her faithfully $100 every month back. And she called me and she said, I just cashed your check. Well, that was different. She'd never said that before. Okay, good, she said. And I want you to know, she said, I don't want any more payback. I'm just like, seriously? She wrote off $2,400. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a ton of money right now. And the burden that got lifted off was phenomenal. Well, last night, I got another financial blessing that just came out of the blue. My sweet, precious brother, I, I wished he lived close enough. He would walk in the door and you would all, just, you would all be awestruck. He just, the Shahina glory just drips off this, this guy. And he called me and he said, you know, I have to move out of my Section 8 apartment. He said, and some friends are building an apartment in their basement. So he said, I just want to say thank you that for the last 10 years, you have paid every month for me to have Click TV in my little apartment. He said, but I'm not going to need it anymore. And I went, well, there's $1,200 back in my bank account that I didn't even think about or was expecting. So the bottom line is don't lean on your own understanding. Let God be God and let him show his miraculous ways to you like he did to me. I'm going to wait till she gets out of range with that shepherd's prayer. Good morning, kings and priests of the Most High God. This is just a quick testimony. I won't bore you with too many details, but uh, a lot of people know we live like out in the middle of nowhere. Somebody said it's not the edge of the earth, but we can see it from where we're at. So we had a new roof put on our house and we had to have our satellite dish for internet tore off the roof and I wasn't gonna put it back on there. So I don't know if anybody has satellite internet, but aiming the dish on that is tough. It's like trying to hit a target with a rifle at 300 yards with a crosswind. It's, like I said, I'm not gonna bore you with the details, but I was out there struggling with it yesterday, doing my little search grid, trying to hit the satellite, but that, by this time it's 89 degrees, sweat's running down my forehead, it's going into my eyes, my eyes are burning, I'm getting frustrated, and I wasn't swearing at it yet, but I was close. So finally I took a break, I go in the house, and I'm sitting there, and uh, thinking, man, why is this so tough? And the Lord, he pretty much told me, he says, you have not because you ask not. And it wasn't, you ain't got it because you ain't asking kind of thing. It was, you know, you have not because you ask not. So finally, I prayed just a simple prayer. I said, Lord, you know, you made the stars. You made the earth. You're the, you're the Lord of heaven and earth. You know where that satellite is. 
help me aim this dish. So the Lord, very clear, very clear, said your dish is at the wrong angle. You need to turn it 15 degrees. So I'm thinking, hmm. So I went out. Sure enough, there's the bolt. So I turn it back to 15 degrees, down to 90, put it back where I started, and I got four bars on my modem. I'm like, yes! So I guess the moral of this story is if you have a decision you need to make, if you have a project, if you have a relationship, if there's something that concerns you, you may not have the answer because you're not asking the Lord. Sometimes we're like little kids, and everybody with little kids, or in our case, grandkids, knows how kids are. They'll be struggling with a jar, or they'll be struggling to put something back together, and you say, here, let me help you with that. No, I got it, I got it, I can do it. Okay. And that's kind of how we are with the Lord sometimes. We just, we think, you know, I got this, Lord. I don't need your help on this. I'm going to wait for the big stuff. But anything that concerns him or concerns us concerns him. So if you want something, ask the Lord. That is really good. Thank you. Oh, one more. Um, I don't want. I didn't want to be that person that gets up every Sunday, and I didn't anticipate getting up today. But I got to tell you, on the way here, um, and I'm sorry, I just became undone a little while ago, so I'm a little bit wobbly. On the way here, I heard the Lord say, um, "I write the song of your life. I write the song for this church, and I write the song for this region, and I write the song for this world." He said, "Learn the words, learn the tune, sing it, and dance to it." And then all these songs about the Lord and his songs and singing. So that's what started it. Then I came in, and there was a, a phrase in the song that said, um, Lord, you're worthy. I can't take my eyes off of you. And I, I just went to my seat, to my knees, and just cried. I just felt the weight of his worthiness and his love. Marilyn said she woke up this morning, and it was going to be a gold day. And hence, she brought the gold to reflect his glory. So as the song is going on, and I'm sitting down in my chair, and I just see Jesus, and it's just gold. Gold, 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 gold. And then the song came on, um, I love you, Lord, and I lift my heart. He gave me a dream at one time that um, I used to work for the tribe. And in this dream, we were having lunch, and they asked me to stand up and pray, and they usually ask the tribal elders, and so that was kind of, eh, what's going on in my dream? And instead of praying, I started singing that song, and I'm looking out, and there's perplexed faces, and then the person next to me joins in and starts singing, and then one by one by one, everyone was singing that song. So when the song came on today, and I'm sitting there, I heard and saw angels, not in an open vision, but in a vision and um, I, I just cried. I could not even handle the weight of it. So there were angels here today, I have to tell you, singing. Yeah. Oh, and then he showed me that that song increased from my dream, and it became the nations. Well, I'm going to make this quick because I already told a few of you know about this, but this week I got a tremendous blessing. I lost my, what I thought was totally lost, my wedding ring 
what happened is I went to work, started work, making beds, stripping the bed, doing laundry, taking out garbage, and then I looked down and all I had on was this, my wedding band, not the ring. So I don't know about you guys, but then when something like that happens, the devil starts attacking me. Oh, you better look out through all the bed. You must look through all the washers and the laundry and the dryer. Well, I started panicking doing that, and I even went through the garbage. I hate to admit that, but I did. Because, you know, this is really the only thing that I've gotten from my husband, that his, his declaration of love to me. Everything else of gold I have is from his mother. So, and you know, it's a symbol of my oath to him. And so it's non-replaceable, even if we do have insurance, I don't know. So after I kind of got excited and I started waking out, I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, that isn't what it says in the word. And so I'm walking down the hall and I see two Christians that are coming towards me. I'm, I'm getting to know the people that I work with, the older generation. And so I said, hey, would you mind praying for me this morning? And they said, what do you need prayer? And I told them. And then I'm walking back down the laundry because I'm going to put some clothes in the dryer. And I just thought, Lord, it says in your word that we're not to worry. What will worry add a moment to our life? So, okay, I'm just going to be at peace, totally calm. I said, I'm, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I've done in the flesh what I can do. I've looked where I can look. You just need to give me that peace. So, um, and then I also shot a text to Marilyn to ask the team to play, pray um, just to make sure I was covered. And then I just gave it to the Lord and said, you know, you know where that ring is, Holy Spirit, reveal it to me. And so when I went home, went upstairs in the bathroom where I usually keep it, and there it was. And the moral of the story was, for me to remember when things are going awry, to calm myself, to pray, and to get um, myself in line with the word, and on prayer with the team, and he always comes through for me. And it's just so awesome to be able to have that foundation. I don't know why I'm getting teary, because I'm just so excited I found it. <laughs> so that's my praise report. Lately, I've been woken up in the middle of the night, every night, and God shares something with me. And this morning, I'm, I'm awake. I'm like, I don't want to be awake. You know, I want to be asleep. But I, I, I saw the walls of Jericho and marching around and marching around and marching around and getting ready for that shout, you know. So I don't know if that was a word for me, but I share it with you in case you need it. <laughs> Anybody ready to shout? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I don't mind. Okay, yeah, good job. Man, you guys got some good stuff this morning. Are you going to come up here with me, sweetheart? You know, I just feel like what you guys all shared is such a good picture and example of what it means to take every thought captive. Just like your wife would say, grab that bad dog by the collar. And you just drag it right up there and say, obey, or tell it to get out or whatever. You know, our, our thoughts, our emotions can, can get worked up. And it doesn't take the enemy much. All he has to do is just jumpstart us, and then we go off running, you know, just like a motorbike. Ooh, just whizzing away. 
We've all been there. We all know it. But that's why God so graciously gives us his promises and his instructions to grab those things. Just come bring it to me. Lay it down at my feet. Let me, let me give you something ex- in exchange for that. So that was good. Good stuff. I don't. No. Not right now. Okay. All right. We're just going to wait. Let's just extend your hands towards her. I'm teasing. I'm <laughs> so I was pretty messed up this morning on the worship time. I don't know about you guys, but I was reminded of so many things, and I started getting kind of wrecked. And, you know, I think it was David. One of you guys up here was saying it matters to him. You know, it, it matters to him. Your heart matters to God. He is a good father. And what is going on inside of your inner world, your outer world, it all matters to him. So I just started jotting down. You know, it matters to him. Your heart matters to him. He, how he's been represented in your life matters to him. You know, I had an encounter four years ago when we were at the conference where we got the word to plant a church and a guy named Charlie Gossler who leads a church in Portland called The Abiding Place, sweet couple, um, he, he preached a message on the heart of the Father. And you know, I don't think I ever realized how many daddy wounds I have and had. A lot of them have been healed. And I never realized that that's what a lot of us carry. We carry father wounds. And you may have had a great earthly father, a great dad, but maybe you've had men or leaders in your life that have portrayed God in a way that messed you up. I think pretty much all of us have been there. And I want to make something clear when I say something like that. I've said this to pretty much everyone in this room before. I still have a place of high honor to all of the spiritual fathers that, have, that God has placed in my life. Even though they had weaknesses, they had weaknesses, just like me, just like you. And sometimes I think we possibly set ourselves up for a wound, maybe even by putting them too high up. Now, I... I I'm getting used to being called pastor. It's okay. You can call me that if you want. You can call me mailman if you want. I would probably think that's funny too. Um, but I don't ever want to be placed in a, a, a position that's above anybody. I feel like the picture that God wants us to see in each other is this picture of family. And in the family, there are moms and dads There are sons and daughters, but it's important to him how the father is represented. It it means the world to him how his heart is portrayed to you and through you. So again, you know, I, I honor, I won't name every one of them. I could. But I, I have spiritual dads in my life and my earthly father who is usually here. Um, in fact, I can give you guys an update on that situation too, which is good news. But, you know, God wants to heal those places. He wants to heal those, those places of wounding that we all face and we all carry. 
you know, that same weekend week when we were um, at that conference, Teresa, who was here on Father's Day, um, it was her first prophetic appointment time. She had never been asked to do an appointment with people where they come to get a prophetic word. And after she had seen a church steeple and heard a bell and asked if we wanted to plant a church, which was pretty awesome to confirm again, even though I probably wouldn't have even needed that, but it was pretty cool to hear it a second time, she looked me in the eyes and said, I, I, see, I see heart tears. And I just, like, fell into a puddle. I mean, thank God there's boxes of tissues, you know, there and here. So if you need a tissue, they're right there under your seats. But, you know, I have had... And I believe God has healed a lot of them. I've had heart tears, just wounds. And you know, really what it comes down to is just being able to come to your father, come to your dad, and take all of these people and just, just put them before him and, and acknowledge, yeah, dad, I've got hurt in my heart towards these people. I've got maybe unforgiveness, and I want to deal with it right now. I want to take these men and these women, these people, maybe families, maybe people in the workplace. This doesn't even have to be church situations. People, siblings, family members in your natural family even. You lay them before him and you say, Father, I want to forgive these people. So before you, and in view of your mercy that you extended towards me in Jesus, I release them of their debt even if they have a debt that I'm just perceiving that's not real on their part, but I might feel like I was hurt, it's real to me. So I'm going to release them from that debt of unforgiveness. And I'm not only going to stop there, because he died for them, now I'm going to ask you to bless them, Lord. I'm going to ask you to pour favor and pour blessing, financial blessing, health for their family, favor with their children as they raise their children, and the list could just go on and on. I would encourage you guys, in your personal quiet time, spend some time with him. Worship him. Worship your guts out. I love to worship. I can worship all day long. If you ever see a mailman walking around with his arms stretched straight up in the air, you never know what he's up to. He might not be stretching. He might just be getting his praise on. I could do that all day, but sometimes he wants to talk to me about things that are going on on the inside of me, and he wants to talk to you about the things that are going on on the inside of you. Any time you just want to take over, do it. Okay, you're good. So, you know, we were singing that song, um, Reckless Love. I know it's probably most of us in here love that song, and my sister is like, that's my favorite. You know, she's been uh, driving around a lot, for either for work or for coming over here from Tacoma, because you know, they love to come to church, or this is their church. She's made it clear to me. And uh, she loves that song, and she's had encounters with the Father. She's actually had a vision. I don't know if it was open vision. She's driving, so she must have just seen it in her heart, in her spirit, with her eyes open on the road. Um, hopefully. <clears throat> you never know what happens with people. Um, yeah, so she felt like she saw um, herself just bowing, kneeling down before him, and he was putting a crown on her head. 
And if I could do anything this morning to encourage you all, it would be to remind you that when you said yes to Jesus, I'm not going to wear the scripture out. 1 John 1.12 says, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. He gave that exousia, authority. I felt like my tongue was sticking way out when I said authority. Authority. He gave you regal authority. Basically, he put a crown of authority on your head to become a son or a daughter of God. So that theme of gold, that is spot on because that is a reality that he wants us to walk in and live in. He wants us to know that we know that we know you are a chosen royal son or daughter. And he says, you are a part of my priesthood. You don't have to have a pastor to be a mediator between you and him. You are a son and you have freedom and access to go to the Father at any time because he loves you and he cares about your heart and he cares about every little detail of your life. Okay, now you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and when we can see ourselves how he sees us, that will take care of so many things in our lives because then we can step from that place of where we're at with him as a son or daughter and step into situations with authority, step into situations with love. And I think it helps us to view things completely different than if we're always, not that we're not gonna deal with stuff, but if our identity is correct, then we can step into things in his power. And that means sometimes even stepping aside in a ministry or whatever and not getting wrapped up in, you know, oh, this is who I am. No, you're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter. And so if those things ever go away, you're not flailing like, oh, I don't know what to do now. I don't know who I am. So. That's good. Yeah, so to add on to that thought, you know, when we don't walk in life with a revelation of the Father's smile over us, walking in his favor, that he actually has favor over your life, even if you messed up this morning and cussed at someone on the road, Dave. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I like to pick on David. <clears throat> yeah, I'll stop there. Even if, you, even if you cussed at your children, I did not cuss at my children this morning, I promise you. But anything's possible. Hey, they're kids. Yeah. I'm what? I don't usually, she said. Usually. So even if you had a, a, a failing, he does not see you as a failure. You are not a failure to your father. You are not a failure to your God. He paid the highest price for you, and he, he credited your account with full, complete righteousness, full, complete holiness. Because of what Jesus did, Jesus paid it all, and because of him in your life being wrapped up in Christ and he being in you, not only are you totally surrounded by the favor of God because you're in Christ, 
You are the object of his love because he lives inside of you. How can he not love you? You, you are a host. You're a vessel that carries the living Jesus Christ throughout the city, throughout the earth. You've got favor. But if you don't recognize who you are, as Tammy's saying, then, and you don't recognize his love and his favor over your life, then you, you fall into trying to earn it. You get into that trap of religion and doing things to try to get his favor. You try to work for love. We know what we call that, right? That's prostitution. If I have to work for his love, we are not prostitutes. We are his sons and his daughters. Okay, so I'm not sure where to go from here. There's a lot of things stirring right now. I, I thought for sure we were going to go into the healing thing because, well, let's just, let's just go there for a minute and we'll see what happens. So most of you know my mom and dad. They usually sit right over here. My mother, Betty, is 91 years old. Last Tuesday, I believe it was, um, Monday, I think, actually, is when she fell. She fell down in her bedroom, which is carpeted, thank God. She fell down, and we think she might have hit her head on her trunk that's at the foot of their bed. Um, my dad heard the thump and went in there to check on her, and he's like, oh, yeah, she's laying on the floor. He picked her up. She had a little carpet burn on her face, and he just kept an eye on her. He didn't think she had hit her head, but he knew she fell, and so the next day, they waited a day, um, probably was in the evening, and so the next morning, he was helping her out of bed, and she said, ouch, you know, my leg. She had a, like a half a football swelling on her leg, and so he's like, let me see what's going on here, and he realized she had a big swollen bruise, and he's like, we're going to emergency to get you scanned or get an x-ray. Well, thank God the hospital decided to do a full CT scan and discovered she had a brain bleed. And Tuesday evening when I was finishing my postal route and going on to the next level of being mandated to work late, which I did not want to do, but I didn't want this kind of a reason to stop, I got a call from my dad. And he became very emotional telling me that the doctor said she's probably going to die. <laughs> I'm not going to cry because I know the end of the story, but he said to prepare for end of life and gave him all kinds of scenarios. So I called my boss, got off the clock as fast as I could, I dumped all the mail back onto them, and they gladly gave it to somebody else. They're really good. They're, they're, they have favor at work, so that's cool. And we got the kids gathered up and to Harrison Hospital, and we went into that room and got around her bed, and I know everybody in this room who got the message was praying, so thank you. Thank you for going on behalf of the mission. And we stood around my mom, who began to cry, and she said, I didn't think it was going to end like this, something like that. Um, and my kids are crying. You know, they're like, I don't want to see my grandma die either. So can you hold that <laughs> before I throw it? <laughs> Side trail, rabbit trail time. Catch the bunny. If you know who you are 
and who you carry within you. Some of you, I saw you put a, a like on that, so I know you read it, Amy. A Facebook post. It was a quote by Chris Gore out of his book, Walking in Supernatural Healing. If you know who lives inside of you, that you carry the kingdom of heaven inside of you, and everywhere you go, you release his presence, sometimes without even realizing it. Sometimes you don't even know that his presence is just leaking out. How much more do we have the ability to walk into a room where your mother's laying on a bed and the doctor's saying she's going to die? She says, I didn't think it was going to end like this. And the emotion of the moment is speaking maybe doubt that she's going to live. Like this might be the worst case. And you walk in there and you have no choice if you know who you are. You say, kids, get around the bed and put your hands on grandma right now. And you put your own hand right on her forehead and you stick the other hand up in heaven and you grab on to that invisible realm that you can't see, you might not even feel it, and you just say, I command that bleed in your brain to reverse. I command the blood to go back into its place and I command your brain to be healed in Jesus' name. And then you begin to feel that letdown, that, man, I'm feeling it now, just reliving it for a moment. She's alive. Now, we prayed, and we decided as a family, we're going to stand on this, and we're just going to believe she's going to live. We're just going to believe. It's not her time. She does not want to go. She's made it clear. She spoke it out. So that's the end of that story. She's home now. Don't know what else to tell you. Um, she, went to the, she was transferred to Tacoma uh, St. Joe's where they have a, a good team there, a trauma team, and they knew what they're doing. And part of the problem was, you know, taking blood thinners, which when you get a brain bleed, it just... Um, our friend Justin, who's sometimes here, who works in the medical field, he said it's a miracle because people who get brain bleeds at her age it's unheard of that they typically live through it. So, but I'm glad I didn't know that because I didn't need any extra uh, fear. I didn't need any fear to come. We've all gone through those things. We've all gone through those kinds of trials where we're face-to-face -face with something. My encouragement is that we, we take hold of who we're called to be, and we take the opportunity that he gives us, sometimes we don't have the opportunity, and there's just no time to do anything. Right now, Lance and Julia are, are asking us to pray. Um, her mom is asking us to pray because her dad, Jerry, has a brain tumor that started out like an octopus, and it just started extending its tentacles through his brain. And so he's, he's in a not a coma state, but he's, he's basically sedated. And they just, they want God's best for him. He accepted Jesus just a couple days ago now. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I think he's been a believer for a long time, but I think the, the deal was officially sealed for the sake of the family so they know what's going on. But even now, as a church, we, why don't we just do this? We just, you don't have to bow your head. 
whichever direction he's in, just, you know, if you want to raise your hand to heaven or just put it out before you, whatever you want to do, just as a, as a prophetic act of Holy Spirit, we're, we're reaching to you and we're, we're pulling on heaven right now. And we begin by just giving you praise and we give you thanks because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price. He paid it all for our full inheritance, which includes forgiveness of sins, deliverance from the devil, and healing body, soul, and spirit. So today we stand on Jerry's behalf, your son, and we ask you for a miracle. We pull on heaven and we just release heaven by faith in Jesus' name, and we release it over Jerry, and we just speak to his brain, and we speak to that cancer, and we say, cancer, we command you to be shriveled up and cease. We curse you at the root, and we say, brain, come back and be restored to perfect kingdom order. In Jesus' name. So here's a good example. This was kind of going to be the message, not actually doing this as an, as an example. But so here's the, the challenge. What do we do if he dies after we just prayed that? How do we, how do we cope with it? How do we navigate the, the reality that maybe a healing didn't happen? Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to just watch and see what God does now. Because I believe when we pray like that, the answer is on its way. But if it, if it ends in death, my encouragement to all of us and to myself, if my mom would have died, even though I felt a major rush of heaven when we were praying for her, if she would have died, one thing is certain, and we talked about this, I think, last week, the areas of beliefs that the enemy wants to lie to us in, one thing is for certain that God is good and that it is his will to heal. I believe it is his will to heal. So I maintain, even in, even in a tragedy that we went after in prayer, he is good and his love endures forever, that he does not send cancer to punish us but he sent Jesus to punish cancer. He sent Jesus to deal with sickness. We're going to end with this. I think. Are we going to end with this? <laughs> Sorry, real quick, I just got to find my notes here. Okay, so I think, I guess maybe this did end up being sort of the message. It's important to God how you see the Father and how, how the Father has been represented to you. It's important for him that you know his great love for you and his value for you through what Jesus did on the cross. He calls you son and daughter. It's important to him that you know who you carry who lives inside of you and the authority that you have as a son, as a regal son or daughter. It's important to him that you know and we know how to navigate through tragic circumstances, situations that look grim. 
So when it comes to healing, I, I don't know about you guys. I can't tell you what to believe. But I know as, as a voice in Legacy City Church, I'm going to stand firm on the fact that I believe it is his will to heal. I'm going to read a couple things, and we'll, maybe we'll close with this, unless Tammy wants to steal this. So Bill Johnson had some good, good stuff. I figure, you know, why not just steal from other preachers? As long as I don't, like, take their whole message and re-preach it, that'd be kind of weird. Um, but I had it ready because I thought maybe we'll use some of this. So Bill Johnson says, how can God choose not to heal someone when he already purchased their healing? Think about it. Was his blood enough for all sin or just certain sins? Did I say sins? Certain sins. Were the stripes he bore only for certain illnesses or certain seasons of time? When he bore stripes in his body, he made a payment for our miracle. He already decided to heal. You can't decide not to buy something after you've already bought it. There are no deficiencies. It's true. If Jesus paid for our, if our, our sins and our sickness to be healed, our sins to be forgiven, and our freedom from the devil, and if you're not sure if that's actually good theology, Jesus is our theology. He is perfect theology. Let's just take a look down memory lane through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just reread all the things that Jesus did. But I'll go back to this. There are no deficiencies on his end. Neither the covenant is deficient, neither the covenant is deficient, nor his compassion or promises. All lack is on our end of the equation. Whoa, pastor, are you saying then I should feel guilty because I did something wrong to make sure the miracle didn't happen and maybe there was sin in my life or maybe I didn't have enough faith? I am not saying that you should do any of that because you need to be rooted, you need to understand and be rooted in who you are and who Jesus is for you. He is your holiness, your righteousness. All lack is on our end of the equation. The only time someone wasn't healed in the Bible, in the Gospels, is when the disciples prayed for them. (laughs) For example, Mark 9, when they prayed for the tormented child, they did not have a breakthrough. But then Jesus came and brought the healing and deliverance to the child. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He is the will of God. We can't lower the standard of Scripture to our level of experience. We don't dare do that. The word of God is our plumb line. In most cases, oh, so he says, we we don't lower the standard of scripture to our level of experience, or in most cases, inexperience. In other words, we don't see miracles happen today. I guess they must have ended with the disciples dying, the original 12. It is a very uncomfortable realization. Not everyone can handle it. Most people create doctrine that you can't find in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the will of God. 
Boy, I could read through this list. You guys doing okay? Should I read the list of, so what do you do? How do we fix it? Do you want to know how to fix it? Or should we save it for next week? <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, I, I'm not, like, messing with your heads to see if I can manipulate you into letting me go a little longer because it is, it's one, two, three, four right now. So how do we fix the problem? I'll, I'll read fast. And if you need me to repeat it or if you want this later, I can text it to you or something. How do we fix the problem? We, first of all, we realize it's not God's fault. So that's what I was saying. If my mom would have died, if Jerry goes to heaven, we're going to say and realize it's not God's fault. Okay? God is still good. We'll learn from others who see miracles. Hmm. There's a key. We've talked about this in our Friday night prophetic training time. If someone has a brick that you need, if I need to see miracles happen and healings, I need to go find out who's actually experiencing healings and miracles and get a brick from them because I want to receive something from them that can help me get the breakthrough that I want to see in my own life. So learn from others who see miracles. Have them pray for you. If you don't know people who see miracles, then find them. Books will help if the author has a miracle lifestyle. Don't just learn from someone who has a theory of miracles. Do what Jesus told his disciples to do when he addressed the problem. Pray and fast. Now, I'm pointing to myself here because fasting's not a practice in my life right now. You can pray for me to fast. You can fast for me to start fasting. <laughs> pray and fast, not just for a specific problem, but for a lifestyle anointing. There's a pastor that you guys know that the Fitzhughes told me spent some serious time fasting and praying for an anointing, for impartation. So that speaks to me. Take a risk. Just take a risk. Go to that hospital room, just stick your hand on their head and just start praying. And as Bill says somewhere in here, don't just uh, ask, not if it be thy will kind of prayer. In thousands of people I've seen healed, I've never seen anyone healed from that kind of prayer. Take a risk, pray for people. It's hard to hurt someone's faith by praying for a miracle. Not praying for a miracle gives them no chance for increased faith. So I'm going to skip the rest of that. When God heals people, give him thanks and praise. Learn from it so it will happen again. If you've seen a healing, share it with people. Testimony. We need to speak of the things that God does. I want to I build your guys' faith, and I want to build my own faith. So the next time I go to a hospital room, he showed up for my mom. He's going to show up for the next person that I pray for. And I'm going to see and expect a miracle to happen. If someone isn't healed, realize the problem isn't God. Seek and seek him for direction as well as personal breakthrough. Greater anointing for consistency. Also, don't take it personal. We cannot take it personal if we don't see the breakthrough. That's what the enemy does. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to lie and steal and kill and destroy. He's a liar. And he wants to try to break you down and make you ineffective by strapping you down with lies. 
That is the only one, that is only one element in the equation. Just learn to do your best to be faithful to his gospel and honor him for the result. It's also not wise to blame the person who is sick. If you do that, don't tell them you go to this church, okay? You can tell them you're a Mormon or something. Came from the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You must have sinned to bring this on. And last point, there's a difference between a miracle and healing. Ah, maybe this can help us. This kind of helps me. Miracles happen in an instant. You pray, and their skin goes from gray to pink. They come back fast in an instant. Healings happen over time. It's important to recognize the progress of what God is doing in a person's body and give thanks because healing increases in an atmosphere of thankfulness. So I, I had pulled up on my phone the Moravian people's, uh, whatever they call it, their creed or their call in life. If you look it up, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Moravian creed. But these, these Moravian believers were set on their course in life to see Jesus, see the Lamb of God, get the full reward of his sufferings. And so we're going to tie a little bow on the end of this here. Why don't you guys stand up? That helps me to put it to an end. Otherwise, I could just ramble. It's one of those mornings I feel like I could ramble easily. We want to see the Lamb of God get the full reward for his sufferings. It doesn't just have to do with healing. Jesus getting the full reward for his sufferings in your life means getting freed from the past. All of us in this room have a past because we're here today and there was a yesterday. All of us in this room have walked through different seasons of church and relationships. Okay. I, I'm looking at everybody because this is really, it is all for all of us. We've all had wounds. We've all had hurts. We've all had bad experiences. We've all had good experiences. From what I understand about this room of people, you've all tasted of the goodness of God. You've tasted the sweetness of Jesus. You have experienced his power in your life setting you free from a dead life and giving you resurrection life. And the only reason why you would have a setback is because something got in the way of that focus of what he was doing. And it's his will and it's his desire that we all get freed and we all get healed so that we can see the Lamb of God get his full reward for his sufferings. Now, usually I get a little passionate right now about this <laughs> because I usually say, I'm 50 years old now. I don't have time. I feel it rising up right now. Sorry, I'll try to chill out. I don't have time. I don't have time to waste. You, you, all of y'all, we don't have time to waste. Yeah, I'm not saying that we're, a, you know, not a young church, but, you know, most of us are around the 50-year mark, maybe some up above, some a little lower. I don't have another life to live. I need to get it done. I need to get it done now. I want to see my Jesus get his full reward in my life. And I don't have the patience or the time or the ability to sit and get stuck 
man, sometimes I just feel like I almost am going to cuss, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to do it, so brace yourself. I don't have time to get stuck in the muck of the stuff. As Paul said, it's all rubbish, and we know if you've been a Christian for long enough, you know that word is, you know, crap. We, we don't have time to focus on the past rubbish, on the dung pile. It is what it is, and I don't like that saying when it comes to things that need to change and be broken through, but the past, it is what it is, and Jesus wants us to take Philippians 3, starting around verse 12, I think, and forget what is behind and fix our eyes towards the goal and run the race that you've been called to run. Now, that was a total botch of that scripture. I had it already, but that's okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. We need to, we got to, toes pointing forward. I've said this a hundred times. We have eyes on the front of our head, not on the back. Toes pointing forward. The Holy Spirit is moving, and he is inviting us to step into momentum with him, to stir up your faith, stir up your passions, put the stuff of the past behind, and let's run the race for Jesus. Let's run the race marked out for us. Because really, the only one that has pulled any of us off the race and has sideswiped us, it's not people. They might have helped, but it's the devil. It is the enemy. You and I do not battle against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual realm of demonic forces that are heavily at work to keep you from running the race with Jesus. So let's pray. <laughs> Better pray, because you guys are going to be tired of standing. As Chris Ballatin would say, I guess it's come to this. So, Father, we just present ourselves to you once again, and we just ask you to help us to take any, anything that you wanted us to receive today from that, and we will take hold of it. And we will partner with you. We will partner with heaven to get free. We will partner with you, Holy Spirit, to be surrounded by a company of believers who will pour gasoline on the flames of the passion for Jesus in our life. And people who will pour cold water on the fears of moving forward. So we just say yes to you today. We say yes to your plan and your purpose for each one of us. And we just step forward in you, Jesus. We step forward because you have made the way clear. We just, we just choose this day to cast off. We choose to cast off every hindrance, every weight, every sin, every lie of the enemy, we just break those things off today in Jesus' name. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and release freedom in this place. Release freedom, liberty in Jesus' name. Freedom to run with you. Freedom to be passionate about the kingdom. Freedom to be madly in love with Jesus, our King. Freedom to step out and risk and faith and to touch people and release the kingdom of God that is within us. Freedom to walk upright with our heads lifted high, knowing you call us son and daughter with a regal crown of authority on our heads. 
freedom to be your representatives, to represent you in the earth. We worship you. We love you, God. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.